Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio, episode 460, coming to you on Wednesday night, November 9th, uh, ahead of USC in Colorado, locking horns for Friday night lights at the Coliseum, Friday night. 6.30 p.m. Pacific on FS1. We're going to preview the game, give you our predictions, and so much more here on this episode. We're, we're back here uh, on YouTube. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. And uh, you can follow you, Alicia, on Twitter at Penguin of Troy, and I'm at MichaelCastFS. Our final days is, uh, is verified people on the twitters yeah yeah because i can tell you this much i am not shelling out eight dollars a month <laughs> to keep a verified badge so yeah no no not not at all uh anyways welcome to the show here live on old youtube uh it is wednesday night i am excited about this because um means we're only two nights away from sc's game against colorado a friday night game i love Weeknight games. I know it's it's a hot take. I get it. I you know why I love it because then you get your whole Saturday to watch everything else. It's great. Yes, it does very much open up Saturday to pay more attention to everything else that goes on. Yeah. Not having to worry about USC uh, playing on a Saturday sort of frees up frees you up to just enjoy the whole Saturday because the result has already happened on Friday. So. I definitely get where you're coming from. I also get where people who like do the tailgate game day experience come from about oh, yeah, for sure. About all of that. Um, 6.30 on a Friday night. Not exactly a, a primetime opportunity for USC to show off, but it's Colorado, so I don't know how much that we're going to people are going to take the result of this game as mattering uh, in any case, so. Yeah, it's it's another game, nonetheless. I mean, it's it's, it's yeah. an opportunity uh, for SC to sort of monopolize some TV time. Um, people 
always try to, uh, to, to get that in there. I think that this is important later on in the season here as SC has an opportunity to get some style points. Plus, you were talking about the other day, the whole point of the good part about playing early in the day is then you get highlights all Saturday. Mm-hmm. Caleb Williams goes off on Friday night. Well, if Bo Nix be highlights all weekend, if Bo Nix can put himself put himself in the Heisman conversation because of what he did to Colorado last Saturday, like you cannot tell me that Caleb Williams shouldn't have Heisman packages from this game. Uh, that's just my opinion. So yeah, I may be running. I may be running with that narrative. Yeah, it, it'll it'll be a fun time Friday night, uh, six thirty. A little bit of an interesting time, six thirty. Probably better for the for the eyeballs on TV. Um, Kind of sucky if you're going to the Coliseum, 6.30. The traffic's going to be not ab- ideal, abysmal. But yeah. uh, I always say that if SC's your top priority, you're taking Friday off. Plus, it's it's technically a holiday. It's Veterans Day. This is true. Also, Maybe you get it off already. This is the advantage. I of, get it off. This is the advantage of the Friday versus the Thursday game situation because I think it's just easier for people to take that Friday and just... Yeah. As opposed to like taking a Thursday off. It's like, mm, but you're going to be back in on Friday? Hmm? Okay. You take two days off. You have a four-day weekend. That is the way to go. Or you can be like those people and sorry to, well, congratulations to our listeners if you are one of these people, like my, all of my friends who seem to have like Flex Fridays off every other week. Yeah, baby. <sighs> Good. Would that I could have Flex Day off every week. You, you got to love it. You yeah. got to gotta love it. Back, uh, uh, I had those... Uh, years ago in the summer it was great yeah yeah it was awesome uh anyways let's get into the news there is a bit of a fair bit of news to discuss uh we gotta start with the injury stuff sc has been without a bunch of key players the last few weeks really since the utah game been almost a month now uh, SC has been without uh, Jordan Addison, been without Mario Williams, been without uh, Eric Gentry. Um, a little bit of promising, maybe, mm, I don't know, read between the lines here. Uh, on uh, I think it was, it was uh, Tuesday morning, um, Lincoln Riley said, quote, they're better, they're participating more. And this is in reference to Mario Williams and Jordan Addison specifically. Neither one of them has been full participants but they're, quote, very, very close. Alicia, last week, Lincoln Riley said that they were close. Now they are very, very close. I need to know, is very, very close closer than super-duper close? Or is it very, very super close, then super-duper close? How, how, do, how do all these things um, rank for you in terms of closeness? I think very close is not as close as super duper close which is not as close as very super duper close so Hmm. the way i'm looking at this is that they are still game time decisions and personally at this point i will believe it when i see it that they are playing in a game yeah we're we're not going to get the information from lincoln riley um it is what it is um it's going to be a guessing game we'll see what happens on friday night the the interesting thing is the the Colorado game is, is sort of weird in the sense that like 
it's the lull between the the crazy end of the season that SC has where they have to play against um, assuming that they win this weekend a top 10 UCLA team followed by a ranked Notre Dame team to end the season and then uh, if things go their way, then they'll be playing another top 10 team in the Pac-12 championship game, whoever that ends up being. The Colorado game, Colorado won and what, what are they, one, one and eight? eight. Um, that one win, a fluke win over Cal, a Cal team that just gave SC trouble. But uh, the point being, this is a Colorado team that's hapless a Colorado team that everyone has pretty much laid the wood on, a Colorado team we all expect SC to absolutely walk over. This is the game that you would expect that, you know, guys to be able to rest. If you need to rest, guys, it's in this game. At the same time, Jordan Addison hasn't played in almost a month. Yeah. Like literally over a month. If you, if you, you go back, well, he played on the, what, the 15th of August, um, and then he, he was, he, he, uh, of October. And then he was out of that game. Um, so he hasn't played a full game since, um, way back on October 8th, literally a month yesterday. Right. So yeah. it's, it's been a long time. He might be a little rusty. Maybe you, if he's healthy, you absolutely play him. And Lincoln Riley has said as much that they're not going to hold anyone back if they're clear. Um, whether or not that's a, you know, an honest thing is uh, the whole other side plot. The thing about the color, it being Colorado, though, is that there is not the incentive to rush back. So if you yeah. flipped Colorado and UCLA, I could see them not being ready to come back and still coming back. Whereas if they're even slightly not ready to come back, there's no reason for them to play in this game. I do agree with what Glenn said in the chat that they need to play this weekend. So they're ready for UCLA and Notre Dame. I would like to see them get some reps to a prove that they are truly healthy and we're not going to be in game time decision mode again for the UCLA game, but to have them get those reps under their belts so that they're not coming back with some rust at the same time, you and I were talking earlier today, this game, only two things matter. One, you win and two, you get out healthy. Yeah. And so I wouldn't risk those guys if they're not ready to go. And part of what makes me think that they won't be ready to go in a, in a literal sense is if they haven't been full participants at practice yet, then don't bring them in until they've been full participants at practice. That sort of would be my, my approach, especially when you get the extra day to prepare for UCLA. I wouldn't take any risks with them. It would be a luxury to get them back to get the rust off. But it's more important to have them back fully healthy than to have them back with with uh, risking them in order to get that rust off. Yeah, 100%. Well, see what happens going forward with those guys, uh, whether or not SC gets them back, especially on defense. You absolutely want Eric Gentry back. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, let, let's talk about the college football rankings, college football playoff rankings that came out yesterday, Tuesday nights. Um, not really any surprises. Everything sort of went to plan. Uh, nearly identical, uh, the, the top 10, nearly identical to the AP poll, Georgia, number one, Ohio state two, Michigan, three, TCU, four, Tennessee, five, Oregon, six, LSU, seven, SC slotting in at number eight, just like the AP poll, the top eight, literally identical to the AP poll. 
the difference is nine and ten. Uh, CFP has Alabama and Clemson, the big name brands, at nine and ten. Um, the AP poll has UCLA at nine, followed by Alabama at ten. Uh, the college football rankings have the Bruins way down at twelve, uh, behind Ole Miss, who sits at eleven. Um, what, what are your thoughts after the, uh, the, the second version of the rankings came out on Tuesday? Yeah, I, I think that, uh, the, the big question would be whether TCU is in the, the top four. They are, I mean, that's correct. I would even have them ahead of Michigan personally, but that's me. And yeah, everything else is just, it's a, it's a, it's a shake them up, toss them. Like there's so many of these teams that still have to prove themselves that, and we had this, we've had this conversation before. It's like, I don't want to get riled up about any of these rankings because there's so much still that needs to get settled. Mm-hmm. UCLA feels underranked at underrated at, at 12. UCLA will not be number 12 if they beat USC. So yeah, they, they, you know, they'll get that credit for that top 10 win uh, if they end up in that spot. Uh, does that potentially impact USC in terms of the committee clearly not buying into UCLA? And so a win over UCLA doesn't matter as much. I think that might come into play a little bit here. But obviously, USC is going to have UCLA, Notre Dame, and then if that goes to plan, Oregon, theoretically, or whoever they would potentially face in the in the, uh, in the Pac-12 title game. So again, it still doesn't matter. There's there's opportunities to rise there. Um it is interesting that that the AP had UCLA so much higher ahead of Alabama. Yeah, I think Alabama. I'm gonna give them. I'm gonna give Alabama some room here because their two losses are to teams in the top ten by considerably narrow margins. They lost on a last second field goal to Tennessee, yeah. and they lost in overtime to LSU. So, like, I, I I'm. I I'm, I don't know that Alabama is overrated at this point or anything like that, and and that's I, it's just one of the things about the poll. Like, what can you do? I don't think Alabama per se is overrated. Uh, at the same time, I absolutely would have Alabama behind a lot of the one loss teams, given that Alabama has two losses. They also have two one point wins. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, against. One of them against Texas A&M, a and M, a team that we all know is, is terrible. Yeah, <laughs> they've lost five games for the first time since like the early nineties or whatever it is. Yeah, I Alabama should not be ranked as high as they are. Um, at the same time, I, I, like SC, I think has a very favorable ranking here, um, given that UCLA is at twelve, four spots behind. I like. SC and UCLA, if anything, should be right next to each other. Uh, UCLA sort of has the better win. They beat Utah. SC lost to Utah. Um, UCLA lost to Oregon. SC hasn't played Oregon. I, UCLA beat Washington, and the committee has Washington in the top 25. So, right. And yeah. Washington just beat, beat Oregon State, who SC beat. So, yeah. um, well, if you cancel those two out, um, both those teams, you know, top basically – uh, top 25, top 30 fringe teams, Washington and, and Oregon State, SC and UCLA have just about the same resume with the exception of the Utah game. The Utah game is the is the big difference um, in that UCLA won and SC lost. I will counter. Okay, go for it. If we're talking about schedule, 
and strength of schedule and strength of wins and all that kind of stuff. I agree with you. I think there there's not much to differentiate. No. But I will say that I think this ranking has everything to do with like reputation and firepower. Because to me, this ranking is USC being where it is, uh, not relative to UCLA, but relative to everybody else, I think is a reflection of Caleb Williams is a Heisman candidate and Lincoln Riley is running that offense. And Chip Kelly and DTR are very, very good. But I think if you ask voters to pick Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams or Chip Kelly and DTR, I think they're picking Caleb and, and Riley. And I think that's ultimately what gives USC a leg up in the, in the conversation. I, I get, I get what you're saying. I just think that like those two teams need to be next to each other. Yeah, eight, I, eight, I nine, yeah. Like I think the AP has, AP it, has right. it right. Yeah. Yeah. The, but, but the whole point of this is the cultural playoff doesn't matter right now. Yeah. Um, it's simply a uh, exercise and the season's not over. If SC continues and the rankings end up really mattering, i.e. SC gets a bunch of wins here, uh, to the point where they're going to need the college football rankings to get them into the playoff, well, it will be a whole world of difference because they will have beaten UCLA, presumably. They will have beaten Notre Dame, presumably. And they will have won the Pac-12 championship and beaten whoever that is. Yeah. Um, so, like, if if SC does their job and gets all those things, they have a completely different resume. The whole landscape is different. Ohio State and Michigan will have a loss somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. everything will be so much different. It, it does not matter. And it does not matter where where UCLA is versus SC. Uh, and if you're a UCLA fan, it doesn't matter. Because um, at the end of the day, you're going you're gonna to get that you're gonna get that juice, whoever wins that game next week. So, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes uh, moving forward. Um, either way, uh, as it stands, AP poll has them both in the top 10. So... They get a win this week, SC against Colorado and UCLA against Arizona. Both teams will be in the top 10 against each other, as it should be the, for the big rivalry game. So You love to see it. Yeah, love to see it. Hopefully that means college game day next week at the Rose Bowl. Uh, let's start looking forward to uh, Friday night. I almost said Saturday night. Uh, Friday night, USC playing host to Colorado. Uh, the Colorado Buffaloes, 1-8 and eight on the season, now coached by Mike Sanford, the former uh, Notre Dame assistant. He is the interim, of course, because Carl Durrell got the axe earlier this mm-hmm. year. Could not make it through year three uh, in Boulder. Could not make it to where he comes back to the Coliseum. Of course, they were going to play at the Coliseum uh, two years ago in the COVID season, and then the COVID stuff happened. As he couldn't make that game. Uh, and that game got canceled. And so here we go. Uh, no Carl Durrell returned to the Coliseum. SC only plays Carl Durrell once last year um, in Boulder uh, for old time's sake. Uh, but uh, the Buffs looking for their first ever win in the history of the world against USC. I don't think they're going to get it this week. They are ranked 123rd in SP plus, 105th. Uh, ranked defense, 123rd ranked, uh, sorry, 105th ranked offense, 123rd in defense. They are atrocious on both sides of the ball. 125th uh, in Jeff Zagrin's ratings. Where do you start? Um, this isn't necessarily the Colorado team of a few years ago that had, we talked about it before, might have had, if, if you just take the 
top three players, arguably the you know a, a, a set of top three guys who could compete with anybody in the conference when you had guys like LaVisca Chenaults and uh, Nate Landman at linebacker, two dudes who would have started for every other team in the conference. This Colorado team that doesn't have that roster. No. They they really don't. And no. um yikes. Yeah. JT Shroud at quarterback uh is the, the guy to lead the buffs on offense. Uh he's completing forty four point five percent of his passes. Uh forty four point five. Uh, remember Caleb Williams against horrendous Oregon game State. against Oregon State. That's what JT Shroud is doing for the season. Forty four four point five percent of his passes. Uh, although he, he's been productive in terms of yardage, three straight 200-yard games in a row, look out. Uh, he's thrown to uh, Jordan Tyson, uh, their leading receiver, 270 yards. One of the best names in the conference, Montana, Lamonius Craig, so their, no, their number two uh, receiver, uh, currently has a couple of TDs for the Buffs. Uh, running game led by Deion Smith and Anthony Hankerson. Uh, on defense, it's all about Trevor Woods uh, and Josh Chandler uh, Semedo, uh, who has uh, ten and a half tackles for loss. He's probably the danger man over on defense. Uh, JCS, as I would as I would call him, yeah. um, and a, a familiar name, former USC commit Terrence Lang, six tackles for loss in the sack. Yeah, and uh, and they got a cornerback, Nico Reed, who uh, has uh, five pass breakups. He's probably the best corner. So. Those were some names of players who play on a football team, who yeah. do things, and no disrespect to any of them, but this team is not good uh, on either side of the ball. And I think we can look back at that Cal win in the same way that we will look back, we continue to look back at Notre Dame's loss to Stanford and ask, how on earth did that happen? Yeah, Because Cal is not a bad football team. I don't know how that happened. Cal is uh, not necessarily a good They're not a good team. football team, but no. they're not a bad football team. They're, they're not so. Colorado bad. No. Uh, so, you know, I think the the worry here is some fluke freak situations. Um, Jordan Tyson has a punt return touchdown this season, so special teams fluke situations. But when you, when you run down the line, there's just not anything here th- that you can – say very positive about this team like we put together the offensive and defensive stats like like uh national rankings and the number of 129ths and 122nds and 130ths that are on this list are incredible so like you so colorado is in the bottom 25 of all college football fbs teams this year in scoring offense they average 15.6 points per game in total offense, in yards per play, in rushing offense, rushing yards per carry, passing offense, passer rating, third down conversion percentage, red zone offense, and turnovers. On defense, they are in the bottom 25 of college football. In scoring defense, they give up 40.2 points per game. Total defense, yards per play, rushing defense, rushing yards per carry, defensive passer rating, third down conversion percentage defense, sacks, and turnovers gained. So... their best stats on the line of stats that we put together, their highest ranking is 55th in red zone defense 
and 54th in sacks allowed. They only allow 1.89 sacks per game. Yeah. So those are the kudos I can give to this Colorado team that is not well-stocked in terms of talent, that is being coached by an interim head coach, that has given up 40 or more points in all but two games this season. Mm-hmm. They held TCU to 38 points, so that's a week a, one, a woo for them yeah. in week one, Friday night, week one. Yeah. And they, they held Cal to 13 points. <laughs> so, yeah. They held Cal to 13 than, points. The same Cal that threw for 400 yards on us. Yes. So yeah. other than those two games, they've given up 40 points in every single game and they have scored more than 20 points just three times this season. They scored more than 20 against Arizona Cal or 20 or more against Arizona Cal and ASU Arizona and ASU. They were uh, ASU. They 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 actually scored some points, um, and then obviously with Cal, it was a twenty to thirteen win. So this is a strange uh, strange matchup to go into because it is just so mismatched. Like USC's defense yeah. could not pray for a better offense to face. And USC's offense could not pray for a better defense to face. Yeah, well, especially ahead of the UCLA game, um, a and SC's going to have an extra day to prepare for the Bruins too. Um, it sort of all helps. Like if you're going to play anyone on a shortened on a shortened week, this is the team to play. Uh, if you want to be able to have the luxury to pull guys out early or or really get the depth guys some reps uh, later on towards the the end of the year, especially when you're maybe not, might not have an opportunity to do that for the rest of the year period. This is a great opportunity. It, it really is. And I, I, I don't want to just like bad mouth Colorado here because they're just, the program as a whole, is just not in a good place. Yeah. Um, and they need a lot of work. And honestly, it's, it bothers me. It bothers you. Like you, you grow up, and when you're a kid and the teams who were good when you were a kid, you expect to be good always. The the Buffs won a national championship in our lifetime, right? Like this was a team that nearly went to the national championship game uh, in 2001. Like they, they, they deserve better than this. The last decade plus has been horrendous in Boulder. Um, it's insulting uh, to any college football fan, especially if you have ties to the Buffs, um, you expect better. You absolutely expect better. When the Pac-12 got Colorado, um, they were they were a name. They were a named commodity, and they got to the conference, and they have been utterly horrendous. And uh, here we are, where SC now uh, is leaving the conference, and uh, if they can make it out this year and next year, then they will continue to have a uh, all-time winning streak over the Buffs as they have never uh, never lost. Um, but um, one of the things for me is this week is not necessarily talking about Colorado. It's talking about what teams have done to Colorado and how we can compare that to the Trojans. Um, SC, as we know, is a playoff contender and Pac-12 contender. It's really easy to sit here and think, Okay, what? Uh, how? How can we compare them to Oregon? How can we compare them to UCLA? How can we compare them to Utah? Right. Well, let's play comparative scores, comparative 
Statistics. I, I, to me, this is going to be the most interesting thing. Colorado beat the Buffs 45-17 in Boulder. Oregon just beat the Buffs this past weekend 49-10. Right there. There's your blueprints. Utah won't play them until the last week of the year, but like that's your blueprint. Do, do to the Buffs what UCLA and Oregon did if you are on the level of those teams. We think that SC, Oregon, Utah are in the same general vicinity of how good those teams are. Well, do the same thing that those teams have done. Uh, DTR, 23, uh, sorry, 19 of 23, 234 passing yards and a couple TDs. Bo Nix, 20 of 24, 274 passing yards and a couple TDs. Very similar numbers. Well, there you go, Caleb Williams. There's there's your checklist. Uh, do that. Dr- throw no more than four incomplete passes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. th- this, this to me is the blueprint of what you should expect SC to do Friday night um, against the Buffs. Yeah, I, I mean, certainly score lines in that area in the 40 plus to 20 minus for this game. Uh, this is this is going to be a game that USC's offense really just needs to not screw up. And this is a game where USC's defense can have an opportunity to take a deep breath and get their crap together. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really want to see from, from USC's defense against this team. Cal was not a good offense and they made them look as good as they have all season. Yeah. USC Even can't. better. Yeah. USC can't allow Colorado to do the same thing. It will damage USC's reputation. It will damage USC's confidence going into the UCLA game. All of that things. It's just about making sure that this game is uh as to I mean to put it to put it one way, like as unin uninteresting as possible. Like just get in, get out and and go home. So that is uh that's what I'm looking for from this team. But uh it's hard to preview and expect anything less than 45 to 17 or 49 to 10. Yeah. That's what UCLA and Oregon did. There you go. There, there's the, there's the benchmark for what SC needs to do. Um, and Colorado, absolutely. It, when you look at SC struggles on defense and we talked about it, you know, a, a couple days ago in the Cal fallout episode, I ran those numbers about how teams in the last three games are getting, you know, like 1.2 yards per pass attempt more than their season averages. This is an opportunity to lower that number. Do not let Colorado um, just completely obliterate their season highs and all that stuff. Like, like we've seen uh, as, as in with uh, Jack Plummer last week. So uh, this is an opportunity to make sure that, J.T. Shrout comes to the Coliseum and continues to look like what J.T. Shrout has been so far this year for the Buffs. So uh, let's get into over-under, talk about our over-under picks. Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. 
There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today. Use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match up up to $100. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hey, Hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. What is your first over under, Alicia? All right. The folks are going to find out that I have a theme for these over unders. And so this first one, I may just be sacrificing a point in order to stick to my theme. 411.5 passing yards for Caleb Williams. His yeah. season high against Arizona was 411 passing yards. Will he get over that? Will he set a new season high? I fully acknowledge I'm probably sacrificing this point because you are about to give your answer and it will be exactly why this is a dumb line to set. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Here's a question. Is this game played on... A PlayStation 5. <laughs> uh, if it was, the line would be set at 600. Uh, because if this is a video game, it's absolutely over. This is a hell of an opportunity for SC to uh, ballot stuff the the Heisman race with, with Caleb Williams and get a bunch of, of passing yards and all those things. I think Caleb Williams can still have a big half in this game uh, and look good. But the total number of passing yards is not something that is going to be overly relevant here. We look back at DTR and Bo Nix. They had 234 and 274. Um, And again, if you're doing your job and taking care of business against Colorado, Caleb Williams should not be in there to throw for 444 yards. Uh, Sorry, 411 yards. And if he is, that is a bad thing. If this under hits... Unless he did it in like a quarter and a half in like some crazy game in which SC scores 60 points in the first half, that it is a bad thing if that overhits. So give me the under. Yeah, I'm starting to regret not making this Caleb Williams touchdown passes, which would still be a silly thing to set, but I went with it, so we're fine. Yeah. Uh, Cody Kessler has the uh, the the record against Colorado. I think mm-hmm. it was six. Yep. Yeah. Yep. My 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 only hope here is that Lincoln Riley chooses not to run a lot and Caleb could just air it out and score like a bunch of 70-yard touchdowns and then it's like, okay, well, <laughs> this is happening. And maybe Colorado scores like 
a couple touchdowns in the first half, and so they don't take Caleb out at halftime. <laughs> the, the way the defense is played, yeah, you never. Know. Uh, it, it who knows that, that that could happen the last few weeks defensively. Uh, my first over under pick is going to be over under eight point one seven yards per play for USC. Why? Because that's what UCLA had against Colorado. USC season, season average is seven point two yards per play, but. Uh, just recently, they've been over eight yards per play against Utah and Arizona. So can they do it again against Colorado? 8.17 yards per play over under. I am very uncomfortable with taking the over here. Okay. But I like my brain is screaming to take the over, but it just doesn't make logical sense to take the over. It's like taking the over on 411 Caleb Williams passing yards like it's just that's a lot of yards per play for a team to have but at the same time like where I don't see where Colorado limits USC to less than eight yards per play Uh, so yeah screw it I'm taking that over all right she's taking over 8.17 yards per play I'm I'm yellowing it right now all right Uh, all right Matt Fink (laughs) Uh, next one what do you got I got uh, 149.5 Travis Dye rushing yards. His season high is 149 against Washington State. So, again, will Travis Dye come away with a season high rushing yards? I think this might be an even bigger obvious under than the Caleb Williams passing yards. You think they're going to wrap him in bubble wrap? And I think that? there's no way that he gets 149. If, if I think this is the game where in the running game you want to distribute the ball relatively evenly um yeah give travis die a couple of uh of you know drives early on where he's the main guy but beyond that you want really brown to get in there you you want to uh get austin jones back some some rhythm ideally uh remember darwin barlow remember that guy yeah he still exists yeah like sometimes it feels like no where's he been Right, like, like, get him in there. I, there's, there's no way it's 149 unless Die like breaks off like a 70 yarder or something. That's what I'm thinking, though. You never know. You I'm, never. Know. I'm thinking he breaks off a 70 yarder. <laughs> so we'll see. You have the utmost confidence here. I, he's my guy. Uh, my next over under is going to be 5.24, 5.24 yards per play for Colorado. Colorado's season average is 4.68, so 5.24 would be above that. Uh, They're a little bit better in Pac-12 play at 4.96 yards per play, uh, but 5.24 is what Oregon held Colorado to. Um, The Buffs also had 5.20 against uh, the ASU Sun Devils uh, two weeks ago. So last two weeks, uh, the Buffs have had 5.24 and 5.20. Can they... Can USC hold them under 5.24 yards per play? I'm going to go with the over here. Um, I think uh, Deion Smith, the running back, is capable of getting some yards against this rush defense. They've started to use Anthony Hankerson a lot more, uh, and he's a, a freshman who maybe has something to him. So just the way that even when this defense is playing well, they're still giving up yards. Yeah. So I think that um, – I'm comfortable going over on this one just because USC can completely shut down this offense in terms of scoring and they can still be moving the ball at times. 
just especially because this team does try to just, you know, create negative plays and havoc plays and all that right. while giving up, you know, a, a chunk play here or there. So, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take that over. Yeah, SC's best defensive performance in terms of yards per play in conference plays, Washington State, that was 5.18. Yeah. Um, by far, that was SC's best defensive performance in, in, in the conference, but still 5.18, which barely would have gotten that under. So uh, good pick on you to take the over. Locks me into the under. Let's go to your last over-under. What do you got? All right, I'm going 118.5 receiving yards for Taj Washington. Hmm. His season high was 118 against Arizona. We have continued to see Taj Washington be the go-to guy for USC uh, since Mario Williams and Jordan Addison went out. Of course, we don't know if Mario Williams and Jordan Addison will play in this game. We mm-hmm. also don't know if this will be a game where, and we've seen last week was the Michael Jackson the third show, the week before was the Kyle Ford show. You know, you, Terrell Bynum has been increasingly involved. Brendan Rice is always around. There are other players who could be given more of a featured role because it's Colorado and because they want to sort of get move, move reps around. So will Taj Washington go over his season high? All right. Um, I'm going to take the under. I think I could see him get in that ballpark, but I'd like to see a little more from Kyle Ford again this week. Um, and if Kyle Ford uh, outperforms what he did last week, which – he didn't have nearly the production he had the week before. Mm-hmm. So if he kind of bounces back to um, being a, a valuable member of the, the receiving core, like we saw against Arizona, you get maybe one of Mario Williams and Jordan Addison back again, that starts taking away from opportunities from Taj Washington. If you add in the blowout factor. Maybe you see more guys, more depth guys, more, more opportunities for MJ three more opportunities for Kyron Hudson. We have Miller Moss sighting. Um, yeah. Williams, uh, CJ Williams, like maybe, yeah, maybe there's opportunities for a, a lot of guys to, uh, to, to get in there. So can I give a, give me the under, I'll give you the under. Can I give a bold prediction? Go for it. We saw Kyle Ford game. We saw Michael Jackson game, Kyron Hudson game. I could see it. Yeah, I could see it. Absolutely. I, could be a Terrell Bynum game. You never know. Very much could be. Uh, last one for me is uh, 55.5 third down conversion rate for USC. The Trojans are fourth in the country on offense in third downs behind Minnesota, Washington, and UCLA. Trojans currently this season averaging 53.3. I'm putting the line just a bit higher at 55.5 because Colorado, whew, dead last in FBS. on third downs. If the season ended today, that mark, the third worst in the history of the (laughs) Pac-12. Oh, buffs. Dating back to 2011, the the makeup of the Pac-12. But uh, still, oddly enough, though, a little bit better. They're like ninth out of 12 teams during Pac-12 play only, but still like terrible on third down. So, 55.5 55.5 is uh, is the mark. Yeah, I'm taking this over. I have too much faith in Caleb Williams, I think. I think that USC won't find themselves in too many third and long situations, and if they're not in third and long situations, I think they're going to convert more than 55% of their third downs. Um, I feel pretty good about this one. It's very high to be predicting, but I feel pretty good about it. 
Can, can I slightly make an, an amendment here? Can, can I make you? it 55.6? Okay, that's fine. Strictly be, like I like 55.5, but I want to make it 55.6. Because five uh, ninths. If SC goes five of nine, that's 55.5. I don't want some weird push. Yeah. Okay. That's so fine. give me 55.6. Okay. Are you still going to take I'm the over? I'm still taking the over. Okay. Right. That 0.1% is, uh, is not going to. Not gonna it's not going to deter you. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, let's get into game predictions. Vegas has the Trojans as 34-point favorites. Bill Connolly, 98% win probability 98. for USC. 98. Only 2% chance it, it could go wrong. It could happen. It could happen. Uh, 2%. This is, it's a milk game for, uh, for the Trojans. <laughs> uh, what is your prediction? All right. Um Connolly has USC winning 50 to 14. Mm-hmm. If you sort of math around with the Vegas line and, and the, in the, uh, the over under they're at like 49 to 15. I would love to put USC up above 50 in this game. I really would, but we've also seen from Colorado the way that Oregon and UCLA beat them that it's hard to put up 50-something on this team just because you take your foot off the gas at a certain point. And I don't think that Colorado will be able to keep up with USC enough to force USC to continue to keep scoring. Now, I think the only way USC gets to 50 is if we see Miller Moss and Miller Moss being in there tries to do some stuff, and that's even if they give him that opportunity – if they start handing off to Darwin Bar- Barlow and he breaks off a, a long touchdown run kind of situation, it's just hard to get there because you don't need to get to 50, right? So I am going to go with 49, and I'm going to give a nod to the fact that I we still don't know if Eric Gentry, Raylan Goforth, and the injured guys like Damani Jackson and company will be back for this game. We know that USC's defense is feeling very vulnerable. Um we also know that USC is vulnerable on special teams. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to do give some respect to Colorado and say that they will score 20 points in this game, which will be a reflection of some minor struggles from USC's defense. But in the end, it won't really be an issue. So 49 to 20, USC wins uh, in the most comfortable fashion they've won all season. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think that 49-20 I think sounds – Right, I saw your number in here, and I'm like, I don't know what How to, else do. to do. Yeah, so I'm gonna get a little, a, a little, little funky, little funky, a little bit. I'm going 47 17. Okay, 47 17, a little bit different. That's an Alicia scoreline. I like it. Uh, a little, How a do they get bit. there? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, 47 17, but just like your 49 20, the, the key for SC is to do what, you know, Oregon and, and Utah did, mm-hmm. uh, or sorry, Oregon and UCLA did. Uh, UCLA was through three quarters was up 38, 10 Oregon through three quarters was up 42 to 10. If SC does that, then who cares what the final score is? Yeah. If Colorado scores 20, who cares? Um, if, if SC goes up in, in a perfect world, very perfect world, SC comes out and goes into halftime up 35-7. Yeah. And then comes out, scores a touchdown on the first drive of the third quarter, and then you pull literally everybody. You're up 42-7, to seven, and it doesn't matter what happens. 
um, from that point on. If you trade touchdowns, who cares? If if Colorado, you know, ends up scoring twenty four, it, it doesn't matter. Um, you've pulled everybody. Uh, whatever, it's just garbage time. But uh, mm-hmm. you you need to to go up early and put yourself in a position to have everybody out there. You do not want a single starter in this game in the fourth quarter. In so forty seven seventeen. In a reasonable sense, I agree with you that it doesn't matter if you trade touchdowns at a certain point. But I'm I, talking like in garbage time. Yeah, in garbage time. But I I think this defense needs a little bit of a pick me up. I think this defense. Needs, yes. Yeah. I I I think it will matter if they look like a sieve at the end of the game and and not in it in one of those stupid like it doesn't matter but it but it might feel like it matters that it's like you, do you get what i mean where no I, you and i can have a, a reasonable conversation where we say like yeah it doesn't matter but in terms of how i'm gonna feel during the game like it yes. will change it will affect the way that i feel during well, the game th- this so. is the whole thing like this game for all intents and purposes the only thing that matters is, for USC is winning and Dang. limiting your 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 injuries, staying healthy and all that. Yeah. Because you're at the end of the season, you're not going to be judged about what you do against Colorado unless you lose, I guess. Um you could win 42-35. It, it and will you not still matter need to beat UCLA and Notre Dame and right. Oregon. So it will not matter because your I'm, whole I'm not season trying to wish that on us. So just saying that. The whole season will be determined by what you do against UCLA and Notre Dame to end the season. Mm-hmm. Like that. So realistically, it does not matter what happens in this game as long as you win and, and, and stay healthy. Yeah. Having said that, it would be so, so much of a um, feel good pill for SC to just finally have a game where they're in full control. Um, it has been a while. It has been a long time since SC has had a game where they are in full control, and it looks like there's nothing in doubts. There's now, mind you, the for most of the Cal game, it never felt like the game was in doubts. No, um, and most of the Arizona game, it never felt like the game was in doubts. But it got to the point where it was a one-score game, and anything could happen, right? So, like. This needs to be a game where it is never in doubt and it never ever becomes close anything because it will make SC feel so much better and have a lot of confidence going into the into the UCLA game. Yeah. Even if at the end of the day it's the UCLA game and the Notre Dame game that's going to be the season-defining moments, um, it would still behoove SC to get their stuff together yeah. right um, for Colorado. So. We'll see what happens on Friday night. We'll be, of course, live on YouTube right after with a live car cast. Join us over there on YouTube uh, for that. Um, but let's get into the mailbag. We got a email from Troy. Hi, Alicia, Michael. I love your podcast. Is a longtime diehard season ticket holder and fan and alum. I'm back from my three-year depression. Well, Could not all. believe we kept, kept Helton for so long. I've been following the team and recruiting since I was a teenager back in the 80s. When I look so forward to various newspaper articles and the media guide each year to see what the top new recruits were that were coming in, always hopeful of the next Marcus Allen. People need to understand and really digest the fact that Helton was not only an awful coach, he was also the worst recruiter in the last 50 years for USC. Being ranked in the bottom of the Pac-12 in a few years, I was literally losing my mind. 
if someone took the time to just put the number of recruiting stars next to each of our two deep on defense, they would quickly understand that we have very mediocre overall talent on defense other than perhaps our secondary. Alex Grinch cannot do miracles with average talent. Exclamation point. I personally felt that our D played harder than I can remember in 10 years in that Utah game. They left 110% out on the field. I think he could be the right coach, but we won't know for a few years. That said, I will admit I was actually kind of skeptical of the Lincoln hire, as I am uh, all about defense. Pete Carroll, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, just to name a few, won national championships on the backs of their defense. Defense wins championships in college football. It is a fact. Offense gets you in the discussion, but defense wins championships. I'm super happy with Lincoln, and he is doing miracles thus far. Grinch needs time and talent. Regards, Troy and Calabasas. Yeah, thank you, Troy. Uh, really good uh, good name and uh, really good uh, email there across the board. I think that um, there's very much a sense of of there's a skewed sense of where the talent level across this team is. And there was conversations on Twitter and stuff like that about, you know, why can the offense uh, withstand a few injuries and the defense can't. And Michael and I, you and I were already discussing the idea of doing a average star rating sort of comparison between USC's offense and defense in the Cal game. Uh, You had given me homework for, for this rundown. And so I had already put this together before we even saw your email, but it fits perfectly to discuss the idea of where is the difference between USC's defensive talent and USC's offensive talent. And this is what we're looking at when I did, did this breakdown is not USC's defense and offense at full strength because it's even more, um, more of a difference. If, if you, if you include guys, highly rated guys like Jordan Addison and Mario Williams uh, but we looked at it for the starting lineups against Cal on offense and defense to give a little understanding of where that lineup is relative to the conversations that we've been having for the last uh, for the last week. So, Michael, do you want to hear what I have come up with? Yes. I mean, I'm looking at it, but I can't wait to, to hear, to hear it too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The average star ranking for star rating for USC's defense, which the starting defense was Makai Blackman, Kalen Bullock, Jalen Smith, Sierra Wright, Bryson Shaw, Tyrone Teleni, Tuasiva Namora, Stanley Taafu, Tuli Tupelotu, Shane Lee, and Nick Figueroa. The average star rating was 3.27. That's the 24-7 sports composite star rating and their most recent star rating. So we're talking the guys coming out of JUCO and, uh, and, and the like. Their average composite rating, which is the 24-7 sports composite where they give the sort of number grade to a player that helps put them into perspective of uh, what the expectations for that level of recruit would be. Um, So when they they do their sort of 0.99 whatever, you have players that are likely to be drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. Those are the five stars. And then it sort of helps break up the four stars and the three stars to more manageable numbers of this is somebody we expect to be All-American level. This is somebody we expect to be potentially an impact player. This is somebody we expect to be a contributor, blah, blah, blah. The average 24-7 sports composite rating for the defense is 0.8899. If you 
put that into the the standings on 24-7, that would be like a high three-star defense. Um, the average national ranking coming out of high school for the defense would be 832nd. The highest rated player on this defense is Shane Lee. He was 78th nationally coming out of high school, and he was a transfer, so it's hard to even apply that to him. Um, C.R. Wright is the highest-rated non-transfer on defense at 80th. USC has three JUCO players, former JUCO players, starting on this defense. That's Makai Blackman, Tyrone Teleni, and Nick Pigroa. None of those players were ranked coming out of high school. They got a ranking coming out of JUCO, and Nick Figueroa was the only one of those that was ranked in the top 100 of his JUCO class. So if we're talking pure talent levels in terms of NFL, you know, expectations coming out of high school, it's pretty darn low. You swap over to the offense, which I remind you is missing talents, highly ranked talents like Mario Williams and Jordan Addison. You have an average star rating of 3.9. That's considerably higher than the 3.7. That's almost a four-star uh, rating for USC's offense. The average 24-7 sports composite rating is 0.919. Remember, defense, 0.8899. On offense, it's 0.919. That is a four-star offense under the 24-7 the sports sort of definitions. The average high school ranking of USC's offense in this game for, for against Cal was 466th. And I will tell you that that is heavily weighted by Taj Washington being rated 1,854th coming out of high school. Uh, if, if you take him out of the equation, it's, it's more like the 300, which this is a top 300 uh, uh, offense. You look at it, the highest rated player in this offense is Caleb Williams. He's a number seven coming out of high school. Um, USC has the, the vast majority. Travis Dye was 987th coming out of high school. Taj Washington was in almost near 2000. Everybody else is top 400 players. Josh Follow, 143rd. The All of the offensive linemen were top, top 400, 356, 386, 365, 208, 110 for the, the offensive line across the board. Um, Brendan Rice and Michael Jackson III were also top 400 players. So if you look at it, the defense is considerably lower in terms of these metrics about who is available to them on the field than the offense. And again, you can put Eric Gentry into that defense and improve those numbers, but you add Mario Williams and Jordan Addison to the offense and you improve them considerably more. Um, it's not fair to judge these two sides of the ball on the same level, especially I'd like to add that having a single top 10 prospect, like this defense is missing Corey Foreman so much. If Corey Foreman was living up to the expectations that would come with him being a top 10 national prospect, this defense would be considerably better. That's the impact that Caleb Williams is having on this offense. That's the impact that is that is contributing to this offense being so good. USC is missing that level of player. Eric Gentry is as close to that level of player as USC is getting this year. And Eric Gentry is not a top 10 national sort of recruiting prospect. Yeah. Um, so I think that puts a lot of this into perspective. 
when you talk about how to what to also, expect. Eric Gentry was a three star coming out of high school. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's not like you you flip the script considerably by by adding in terms of talent level by adding him or Raylan Goforth, who was also like a, a, a sort of middling three star. Um, guys with potential, but not guys that were like jumping off the off the the tape and being considered NFL level um, NFL level talents. USC has NFL level talents on their offense. It's harder to find the NFL level talents on this defense. That's just the fact. Yeah, uh, who's where the of the team that started on 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 Saturday against Cal? I I would. NFL guys, I'm guessing Makai Blackman, Tuli Tuipilotu, and eventually Kalen Bullock. Mm-hmm. But it, but that eventually maybe is maybe right. The, that eventually is doing a lot of work too because there's a lot of eventually they're, they're not ready right now. Yeah. I think two, of those guys, Tuli's the and guy, Mac- and Makai yeah. are are definitely the guys. Yes, yeah, Tuli and Makai Blackman, yeah, could could play in the NFL tomorrow. Whereas <laughs> the SC's uh, on offense. Uh, Voorhees absolutely is an NFL offensive lineman. Um, Dietrich has a chance. For I think sure. Dietrich and Nilan will will get drafted or at least, you know, be in that discussion to have have an opportunity. Monheim and Murphy, the same thing. Yeah, and and Brendan Rice is going to get drafted because his name is Brendan Rice. Like, let's be honest here. Michael you know Jackson I mean? is going to have that opportunity too. Yeah. Yeah, and so and and Travis Dye is going to get picked up in the you know sixth round by somebody and uh, and have an opportunity probably. So yeah, th- there is talent on this on this defense, but it's not the talent that people think of when they think of USC defenses. Um, and to go back to an email that we got the other day uh, in the last pod. The other issue is even though SC is lacking in in talent relative to the talent that SC has always had on defense, this is still a, a, a defense that should be capable of keeping Cal from throwing for 400 yards when they haven't done that all season. Yes. You know, like yeah, something went wrong there. Yeah. So there's absolutely two things at, at, at play here. The, the Alex Grinch that we saw in the first six games, the one that was making second-half adjustments um, and getting better as every game that went on, the one that ASU gashed in the first half and then couldn't, you know, rush for a single yard in the second half. Like, where were the, where were those, those halftime adjustments? We mm-hmm. haven't seen them the last two weeks because Arizona and Cal have gotten better on offense as the game has gotten on. Um, SC has just got considerably worse defensively as the games have gone on the last couple, last three games, Utah, Arizona, and Cal. Those were not the hallmarks of the first six games. So that is w- what I absolutely put on Grinch because those adjustments are things that we all credited him for uh, early on in the season. We're not seeing those now. Um, I, I, I can live with the defense not being perfect when they when they lose guys um, due to injury, but show some some improvement, right? Like yeah. I, I've, I've talked all season long, like this whole season, but is about the eye test and is about improving as the season has gone on. The offense has done that. The defense suddenly has not gotten better as the season gone on, even with the injuries, and that to me um, is problematic. I still believe in Alex Grinch, but. 
I mean, he's got to he's got to have an answer, right? Yeah, he's yeah. got to have an answer for for something. Yeah. This is um, not sustainable if you right. believe in Alex Grinch. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Um, I want to go to a YouTube comment that we got back in the car cast um, from Marks that says, "I hate to say it, but Relique Brown has been a little bit of a disappointment so far this year. Uh, still waiting for him to really break one. His most memorable memorable game breaking play was on the final kickoff of the Utah loss." He took the kickoff back to midfield, giving USC a chance to perhaps move in for the game-winning field goal, but a holding call moved the ball back inside the 20. That was a killer. Where, where are you on, on Relic? Yeah, I, I think it's funny that Marks brings up that kickoff return because that is what Relic Brown is able to bring to the table. Yeah. And it wasn't his fault that the holding <laughs> pulled that back. Like That could have been a really right. big impact play. And we've seen him be a weapon for USC at the goal line. Uh, obviously, I think we want to see him take on more of a role and be more of a dynamic playmaker for USC across the board. But it's hard when he is a true freshman and Travis Dye is available. And that is, again, I think it goes back to conversations we were having. And it's obviously very, very different. But conversations I remember having around Ronald, Ronald Jones Everyone knew that Ronald Jones was special. Everyone knew that Ronald Jones could do some great things. But he had trouble getting on the field at certain points in, in, in his freshman season. And part of it is just because freshmen are not always reliable when you're doing the full, complete job of a running back. Yeah. And if you're asking me, does USC want to have Travis Dye out there or Relique Brown out there when it comes to the no blocky, no rocky principles, Travis Dye is going to win that battle every single time. And we've seen that. And uh, we've also seen USC just prefer to straight up pass the ball anyway. So if USC is going to be choosing not to run, then Relik is going to have trouble getting on the field because if he's going to be on the field on passing downs or on passing plays, he needs to prove that he can stand in there as a blocker and not always have to go out as a, as a pass catcher, which he would be very, very effective at. So um, that is the, the issue with Relik Brown. I don't give up on him yet. He's a freshman who was injured for a significant portion of the early part of the season. He is still developing, still learning, and uh, you, you just got to give him some time. Yeah, I, I still think there's absolutely uh, will be opportunities for Lake Brown to to show off everything that's there. The, I don't know how much of a role that injury played, but I think that um, early on in the season, you saw those glimpses like against Rice, and I think that you – Against early on against Sanford too, and you're like, there could I mean not against Sanford, but mostly against Rice, right? Yeah, because well, he got injured. Yeah, so. he got injured against Rice, and you're like, this is he he could be the guy that what's he going to be like in two years when SC goes into that LSU game and and in Vegas and all that stuff? Like he's going to be he's going to be the guy, right? Like what's that going to be like? And I don't know. We're still have to going to see see that. I think that SC having Travis Die be the the rock star there um, certainly helps, kind of bide his time and and not force him along. But at some point, sure, you'd like to see a, a little bit of a glimpse there and and maybe a not quite thunder and lightning package, but like you know the the duality of, of Brown and Die, who are completely different running backs. You'd like them like them both to. Uh, to, to be mixed up there, especially when we know Lincoln Riley likes to use splitbacks. And so how can they use splitbacks to their advantage by putting both of those guys over on the field as well? So here's 
a thought and a conspiracy theory. Uh-oh, here we go. If ever there was a game for us to see Relique Brown absolutely go off, it would be this Colorado game. Sure. Yeah. Let it be the Relique Brown show. The conspiracy theory is if I'm Lincoln Riley and I plan to use Relique Brown in my offense, I do not let UCLA see what I intend to do with him before facing UCLA. I yeah. hold all of that back. So that is the thing that, you know, I would I, I think you could – See if Relique Brown just starts to break one, but you're not going to do anything special with him in this game because I wouldn't give away that tape. I I wonder how much SC could be holding back for the UCLA. We know that certainly they're probably holding back talent uh, in terms of the injury stuff, they're not, right? Yeah, um, and holding back those uh, those guys to to some extent. Um, at least we can assume that, um, and if nothing else, because the secrecy makes us. Uh, I sort of assume that, right? Um, at the same point, this is always the 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 uh, the the tinfoil hat conspiracy that we have every year about everything. I remember the 2012 season. <laughs> yes, SC came out and struggled against Syracuse, and I'm like, well, that's because Lane Kiffin is he's holding back. he's holding back for the Stanford game, and it's like. Then you get to the Stanford game and like, well, they still struggled against Stanford minus mind you, it was the Cyrus hobby game, but like there's, I, I don't know how much of that is actually a thing. So, um, you know, I talked about it with, with UCLA early on um, the preseason. Yeah. And conspiracy and, theory. Yeah. And I hate thinking that, but the only reason I'm thinking that is because Chip Kelly is so unorthodox at this point. And that is a thing that happens in the NFL in terms of the preseason um, that I feel like he's almost the only guy that I think would actually pull that thing off. But even then, it's a conspiracy theory to even think of. So. So, we're t- totally off topic here, but um, I would I already didn't buy your theory. I would buy your theory if UCLA wasn't scoring 40-plus points in all of those games. The problem is just that UCLA doesn't have a very good defense, just like USC. Both of these teams have struggled on defense, and that is why UCLA has struggled in the games that they've struggled in, and that is really what sets uh, what sets. So I, I don't know that that anybody is holding back anything on on offense. It's really that both of these teams have good offenses that are going to score what they score, but their defenses get if, them into trouble. And if your defense is yeah going to get you into trouble, then anything can happen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, let's go to a bunch of questions that we got uh, here live on YouTube. If you're joining us in the chat, be sure to pop in a question. We've been going through and, and starting these, so that way we can circle back to them. Cameron of Frisco, Texas says, what are your guys' thoughts on a guy drinking a bottle of mustard on college game day? Uh, so I think this was a, a Hendon Hooker thing. Like he has a deal with a mustard company or something Yeah, like that. He, he got an NIL deal. In fact, I think a couple of, of players uh, in college football got NIL deals from the mustard. Um, I don't know if it was like Heinz or, or some other mustard company. I don't, I don't know. I don't know mustard brands because I don't eat mustard ex- unless yeah. it's honey mustard. So, yeah, you, if, you, if you could not pay me to eat a bottle of mustard no. unless it was honey mustard – in which case I'm, I'd consider it that you could pay me to do it. Uh, but yeah, no, gross, 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 gross. The guy, this is way grosser than the guy who dumped the tub of mayo on him. Like, cause I actually like mayo, like, and I wouldn't do that to myself either, but like, at yeah. least if I got some in my mouth, I wouldn't be like gagging. Hot take. I have 
tried Duke's Mayo. We did. I I think I might be Duke's Mayo over Best Foods now. This is prime example of why NIL marketing and like 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 why these marketing ploys work because we were best foods people we literally only bought dukes because of that stuff that was happening on college football uh, on, on college game day and we both really like dukes yeah i'm, I'm like I'm especially be, like for me dukes holler at us yeah it was a uh branding yeah we'll, 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 we'll convert people to dukes uh, Bill says, how would you rate the season if SC ended with a three-game losing streak to UCLA, Notre Dame, and a bowl game? It could happen. <laughs> That's so sad. I don't even want to like think about that possibility unless we have to actually deal with that possibility. It would be very disappointing. But yeah, it would I, still come down to how did you lose those games, which would change the level of disappointment that I have or concern. Yeah. So. Are, are those three games hard-fought games where anyone could have could have gone or are they three games in which SC just absolutely gets destroyed Yeah, um, and, and gets shown that they were a paper tiger the whole time or, or whatever it is, right? Like, I think that's going to tell, I, again, I go back to eye test, eye test, eye test, yeah. eye test in year one. Um, so what is the eye test in those three losses? Uh, going back to my season predictions, I had SC going at nine and three and winning the UCLA Notre Dame game because I had them getting better as the season went on mm-hmm. through, through this point, I would have already had SC at three losses. Yeah. Um, they're at one right now. So I thought SC would get better as the year has gone on. I don't know that that's been the case. There have been injuries. How much of the injuries played a role? I don't know when SC gets those guys back. We'll see. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I think that even if SC goes nine and three um, and ultimately ends up nine and four in that instance, I you have to again compare from the from the fact that SC was four and eight last year, and this is year one, and I don't think nine and four would be the end of the world. It would be disappointing based on SC getting as high as what seventh in the polls before the the, the Utah game. Yeah. Um, but all things considered, I don't think it would be quite the end 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 of the world. Um, I think of the. You know, the Notre Dame game, the Notre Dame team in um, 2017, the one that bounced back from the four and eight season. Yes. They went nine and three, losing the last two games of the year. Yeah. Leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But yeah. But again, it's like, I think losing both rivalry games, I would have questions about preparation for rivalry games. I would be disappointed, certainly, to lose to Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. But there's a big difference between losing to Notre Dame the way that USC lost to Notre Dame in 2017 versus an overtime thriller where it's like a 50-50 coin toss. Like, if USC loses games the same way that they lost to Utah, then I think we can work through those emotions. Yeah. If they're not like that, then there will be serious questions that have to be asked about, number one, Alex Grinch, mm-hmm. and number two, the mental makeup of the team yeah uh 520 trojans we are sc says even if sc wins the table i can see finishing at number five and not crocking the top four it's all it's gonna possible. depend on what happens elsewhere it's it's all gonna depend on what happens elsewhere because the there's a very likely scenario that the big 10 east runner-up is just sitting there at 11 and one and 
is a bump on a log that could could wreak havoc, right? Like, I, I don't know what happens to them. Where do they fit in? Uh, yeah, so I, I don't I don't know. Uh, there are so many again, so many questions that need answering. Does TCU does, win does out? Does TCU win out? Right. Does of the Michigan and Ohio State, I think it's it's probably better for everybody that's not named Michigan if Ohio State beats Michigan mm-hmm. because Michigan doesn't have very good strength of schedule. And if they don't have that Ohio State win, then they don't have good enough wins to Wor- counter anybody else's arguments. Worst case scenario is LSU wins out? Yes, because then you're dealing with a two-loss SEC champion and a theoretically uh, one-loss You'd have two non-champion one-loss SEC teams. Well, we'd assume that LSU beats Georgia in the SEC title game, Mm -hmm. and then Georgia is is twelve and one, and Tennessee's eleven. And And then it comes down to how did that game play out? Was it a fifty-fifty coin toss where they could play again and and it could go another way? Yeah, there's a million things that could happen. It could certainly happen. It absolutely could happen uh, to USC, and I think. What gives me zen about this whole thing is if USC didn't have the questions around USC that makes me uncomfortable with USC going to the playoff, then they wouldn't get left out of the playoff. Did that make any sense? It, it made sense in my head. Wait, say that again? The, que- the same questions that give me cause to not want USC in the playoff, i.e., the defense being vulnerable and not wanting to see USC's defense get blown out in a playoff game. If that question didn't exist, if the defensive struggles didn't exist, then USC would get into the playoff regardless of what happened elsewhere. If this same USC I, team, I still think if you have a chance to get in the playoff, you want to. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, if USC got left out of the playoff, it would be for the same reasons that we're not sure that USC is a playoff team. No, that's that it it would be because the defense is vulnerable. But if so, USC getting left out of the playoff, obviously you want it. But like, is it the end of the world if USC gets left out of the playoff this year? I don't think it is. Well, no, because it's year one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So like, uh, you know, future USC teams that don't have the defensive question marks will not get left out of the playoff. I can just tell you that with certainty. Yeah. Uh, let's go to a question from Kenny. Do you pull kill him at halftime uh, if the game is out of hand, or do you leave him in for Heisman highlight plays? I am someone, if it's me, if I'm the coach, I pull SC's up 42-7 at the half, you pull him. I don't need to see a first drive of the third quarter, but seemingly every coach in college football needs that first drive of the third quarter for some reason. Mm-hmm. Also, in that scenario that you're willing to pull Caleb at halftime, he has already produced Heisman highlight plays in the first half. So right. I would never. There's the, there. There are a lot of conspiracy theories about like is USC passing the ball so much because Lincoln Riley wants to get Caleb Williams the Heisman and all that kind of stuff. It's like I don't think Lincoln Re- Lincoln Riley needs to try that hard to get his quarterback the Heisman. Like I don't think that that's what a coach is thinking about when they're calling plays in games. Yeah, maybe I'm naive. I don't know. Uh, Ron from LA, uh, LA is in lower Alabama. Uh, which key players can and will return next season for both offense and defense? Well, Caleb Williams will be back. Mario yeah. Williams will be back. There's no, uh, Jordan Addison will be gone. We assume he will be gone. Yeah. That's safe. To- I, I would assume that Tuli Tuopoloti will be gone. Tuli should probably be gone. Um, yes. if he, if he didn't come, it, 
if Thule comes back, it is purely because he believes that he can win a national championship next year. And I'd never, or he, or the thought that he could be a first round pick if he doesn't get that grade now. And I, and I personally don't know, like I, I don't, I'm not an NFL person. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I'm not sure if he'd ever get a, like a solid 100% first round. Right. But I, I don't know from his, um, let's see. I just pulled up the depth chart. So, the big problem for USC is that they will be losing Bobby Haskins, Andrew Voorhees, Brett Nealon, Justin Dietrich, uh of the defense. They, they the got to go transfer portaling on, on the O-line. So on the O-line, they keep Jonah Monheim, Mason Murphy, and Cortland Ford. Mm-hmm. But they will have serious questions Dietrich, um, Voorhees, from, and Nealon from elsewhere, okay. yes. Uh, at uh, at tight end, Lake McCree will be back. Um, I think Michael Metz will, will graduate. Josh Fowler will graduate. Uh, Travis Dye will be gone. Austin Jones, I believe, will be gone, but I can't be certain. The 2020 COVID year. Like, it's hard to judge those yeah. guys, but he is a senior for what it's worth. Um, Stanley Taalfu should be back. Uh, Tyrone Teleni should be gone. Solomon Bird will be back. Eric Gentry will be back. Shane Lee will not. Makai Blackman will not. Max Williams can come back. Kalen Bullock will come back. Sierra Wright will come back. Jalen Smith will come back. So mo- the vast majority of the secondary will come back, except for uh, Makai Blackman, unless people are making mistakes. Yeah. Um, but they the 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 loss on the defense with Nick Figueroa, Brandon Peely, and uh, and Tuli Tupelo to graduating will be considerable. Yeah. Uh, Eric says, I'd like to know if the Todd Orlando defense of 2020 is any worse statistically than the current Grinch defense of today. And SJ says, how does this year's defense compare to last year's defense? Um, okay, so the 2020 uh, Todd Orlando defense was fairly good. Like, I, I'm only going to talk about this in them in terms of the Pac-12 play because they never played anything nationally. Of course, the COVID season, we pretend didn't exist in general. Um, SC was fifth in yards per play defensively, 5.49. You compare that to this year, 5.49 would be fourth. Um, SC is currently ninth uh, in yards per play, allowed 6.09. Last year, they were at 6.37. So basically, SC is between... 2020 and 2021 in terms of the defense. Uh, the first six games, SC was closer to what SC was doing. It, You know what? I, like, think of it this way. The first six games, SC was a 2020 defense um, with Tyler Lando. The last three games, SC has been the 2021 Tyler Lando defense. There you go. That basically um, I would say that the first six games they were better than 2021, but closer. Sorry, better than 2020, but closer to 2020. Um, the 2021 defense was very bad. Why are you looking at me you like said better I'm not than making... 2020, but closer to 2020? No, closer to 2020, but better than. Uh, they are considerably better in 2022 than they were in 2021, and it's not close. It, Scoring defense alone, twenty five point two versus thirty one. Like, so um, I'm hold on one second. They, they've created more sacks, more turnovers. Like, yeah. So uh, those first six games, SC was allowing five point four six yards per play. 
Um, back to 2020, they were at 5.49. So it's basically the 2020 defense. Those yeah, but you're years. you're doing yards per play, and I'm I I don't I think yards per play is a good metric, but I think it also is it doesn't account for what what are you saying is better? I'm not saying it's a it's I think you need multiple met- metrics. No, that's to fair. Determine. That's fair. They're just I because you it don't yards- have one screen on the thing at the, at the in a moment here. Yeah, yeah, but I, I'm just saying, like this team, it has been a better pass rushing team. This be, this team has been a bit better uh, at creating turnovers and doing the, the sort of havoc plays that impact right. scores, which is why the scoring defense is considerably better. Yeah, um, yes. I mean, when you, when you talk about things like turnover luck, that's one of the things where SC is like absolutely god um, level. Yeah. yeah, god level at. Um, uh, 2020, the scoring defense was still 26 points. So, yeah, um, SC was 18 in the, the first six games. Yeah. Um, so a lot, a lot different there. But again, you can't just cherry pick the good game. No, you can't, no. you can't do that. Yeah. Um, uh, Eric says, Talking Head said a few teams would be ranked differently if their losses occurred earlier in the season, i.e., Notre Dame. Uh, would our ranking change if our loss to Utah happened in week one? Or week two. That's hard to say because, like, what happened to Notre Dame is, and Oregon is that they got dumped from the from the rankings prematurely and then had to climb yeah. back up. Where USC, the loss to Utah was early was was sort of middle of the season enough that it didn't dump USC super far, and so the climb back has not been significant. Um, if, if USC lost to Utah the week after Utah lost to Florida, that probably hurts more than USC losing to Utah when they did and how they did. Yeah, I'm I'm of a mind that it wouldn't matter with the college football playoff poll rankings, but I could absolutely see on the AP poll if SC was ahead of, say, Oregon, strictly, yeah. just strictly For because of that, that, that timing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe that would have been corrected by Oregon's big wins and SC struggling on defense lately. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it's an interesting thought, but um, either way, the problem is that SC doesn't have a ranked win, right? Like, yeah. Uh, the 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 pollsters, especially the the committee, is worried about who do you beat, uh, and SC hasn't hasn't beaten anyone who. SC has beaten a, a lot of teams that would be in the top 40, but top 40 doesn't count for anything, um, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, Richard says, any thoughts on what happens if the US, if UC Regents actually end up blocking UCLA's move to the Big Ten? Uh, there seems to at least be some danger of that, mo- uh, of that at the moment. I would be utterly shocked if that actually happened. I, I, can't, there's, I can't see it. I really can't see it. I, I know that Cal people are playing that up to be something. I can't really see that happening. And if it did, I think the Big Ten would just find another partner for SC and then give a phone call to, to Oregon or Washington. Yeah, I, I think that maybe you even would, Stanford. Maybe. Uh, no, I agree. I th- I think that number one, it's it would be shocking if they did that. Like I just do. I I just I don't believe that that is what will happen. And if it did, I don't know that it would impact USC. Like, it's not going to stop USC from going to the Big Ten. They're going to the Big Ten. Like, that's a UCLA problem. 
And yeah, USC just goes to the Big Ten with with Oregon. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, all right. Final question off topic. Uh, since we've gotten some comments on, on YouTube that uh, apparently we only barely talk about SC stuff. Only, only spend. Only, we, we barely only talk about USC at all. An hour of. At all. So I'm sorry we're going to have to deviate here. Uh, Glenn says F1 sprint races, thumbs up or down. I like the concepts, don't like the execution. I decided last year that I am now thumbs down on sprint races. And that is simply because (laughs) I think it is, um, if I were a team, I would take my penalties, all of my engine penalties, all that kind of stuff, I would just plan them around the sprint races because we saw that we've seen what the top tier teams can do in a sprint race and move up quickly. And you yeah. basically take that out of the equation. I just don't like how it can be manipulated. And I don't think it adds anything in particular to the sport because qualifying is exciting. And I don't like, I don't think you get anything extra from the sprint race. Yeah. I, I, I like the idea. It's just that it ends up being everyone is in a uh, very, uh, they're trying to preserve the car a little bit too much because yeah. it, it ends up that it just adds more time to the race. Mm-hmm. So when someone is farther down the, the 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 grid because qualifying went awry, it just too easily allows them to to make up uh, everyone's uh, everyone's ground. And yeah, Lewis, that was the, the Lewis thing in in the in the Rio race was exactly what I was thinking of, Glenn. And that it was awesome. It was awesome to watch, but it, yeah. it absolutely showed uh, that the, the sprint uh, has many flaws. Um, now, if they did a reverse grid for the sprint, I would be all about it. Yeah, reverse grid the first 10 spots. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, last, really, for real, last question. Uh, Eric says, uh, is Brendan Rice going to have a career game this week? Uh, we didn't even talk about Brendan Rice and Makai Blackman going up against their old teams. Oh, yeah, it is their old team. Um, more, okay, more could. likely, more likely, Makai Blackman gets a pick or Brendan Rice scores a touchdown. More likely Brendan Rice scores a touchdown, but I love the Makai Blackman getting a pick thing. It's just what, what, what is more. Porque no, porque los, dos. no los dos. Yeah. Uh, Brendan Rice, I mean, okay, what, what we talked about before, right? We had a future game from Kyle Ford. We had a future game from Michael Jackson, the third. Anybody's game to be future game in, Brendan Rice would have to catch the passes that hit him in the in the chest. So if he gets his mind right about that, then yes, he could absolutely have a career game. Yeah. Um, it could also be one of the other guys that we've talked about. So it's hard to say. There's a lot of guys who are trying to get in this offense. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap it up, but we will be back Friday night after the game with a car cast to talk about SC and Colorado. As my, my grandpa would say, Colorado, Colorado. Yeah. Uh, the Trojans 34 point favorites. We'll see if they can get the win, potentially a cover. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, as always, we will uh, see you next time. Be sure to uh, subscribe here on YouTube and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to us. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Well, it helps grow the show. And we'll see you next time. Until then, see ya. See ya. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.